0: Oh, man, my cup's full. This is good. Um, man, thank you for being here today. My, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being a pastor here. And just want to kind of start by saying, like, there are a few things that we really value around here. Um, one thing that we really value is God's promises. We, we treasure them. He keeps his word, and he's given us his word. Uh, Another thing we value is God's presence. We value his promises. We value his presence. He has actually promised, he actually knows us, first of all, uh, then actually promises to be with us to the very end of the age. Uh, Then we value being on mission with him. So we name the church Sacred Mission, uh, the idea that Jesus himself is, is right now on a sacred mission for the people of rural central Iowa, and we just get to jump in and be a part of it. Um, His mission is for us, and his mission is through us. So coming to church, gathering with others who are pursuing God, and recognizing ourselves being pursued by God, that we come around together, his promises, his presence, his mission. And I just want to say you are... Totally welcome here today you 're welcome here next sunday you're welcome to jump in uh, during the week if you'd like to like here and just just be a part of what what we 're doing here we're uh, feels like an island of misfit toys <laughs> it's not us they're like um, something we're, we are gathering around the only somebody we really know, uh, Jesus, and letting him write new stories for us and through us um, so we 're in Chapter 34 of Genesis, we just preach through books of the Bible here, Um, and three chapters ago, God clearly told a very broken man, Jacob, he told him, it's time, you need to go back to the promised land, which is named after the promises God gave to this guy's family. God promises to be with him. As he sends them back, just like he promises to be with us, um, they are on a great mission, just like we are on a great mission, and they've been called to be a pe- peculiar people who walk with God. That one of the promises that God gave these people is that they would be a light to all nations. And that he wanted them to be a distinct people, not because he was forming a holy huddle club. He wanted them to be a distinct people so that people could observe how God is interacting with them so God could see how to interact, how they could see how to get to God. And God was clear in this and the way this was going to play out, because he cares about the mission and he cares about the details of the mission, that God was very clear here in this part of the book of Genesis where he's calling them to. So he very specifically, I have it up on the screen here. Feel free to open your Bible. we got a new shipment of Bibles in. We've got them on the table there. They're free. Please take one if, if you don't have one. If you know somebody who doesn't have one and would like one. If you know 10 people that don't have one, like one. Take 10 and hand them out. Um, it's, it's a joy to get his word out. Um, but this is what he says in verse 13 of chapter 31. God comes up to Jacob and says, I am the God of Bethel. Doesn't, doesn't describe himself that way very often. I am the God of Bethel, who, anointed, who where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land where he currently was, and return to the land of your kindred. So Bethel is a place that actually Jacob named. Jacob saw God for the first time for who he really is at this place that Jacob ended up saying, this is, I'm forever calling this place Bethel. And it's, it's still there today and named Bethel. Um, because what happened before that is that Jacob had a small god, And it wasn't because God was small. He had a small view of a huge God. And so for Jacob, he had a small God. And it was at Bethel where Jacob first saw the bigness of God. Where it's not just like this, uh, you know, baby Jesus, NASCAR type, jokey type thing. It's actually. He is huge and big and who am I? You know, the stars have been incredible. I had some guys over yesterday morning, very early in the morning, and the first two guys who walked through the door were like, have you seen the stars? You know, I mean, they're so vivid and huge and awe-inspiring. And Jacob saw God himself, not the stars, in an awe-inspiring vision of God. And what is amazing is God goes up to Jacob and says, I am the God of Bethel it's me, now close to you, hey, go back there. So Jacob, is, Jacob has been just in a hot mess, weird, broken. Um, you could catch up on those messages or just read it for yourself. Um, I love that God tells Jacob, hey, go back there and I want you to live there. Live in the land of my bigness. Go back to the place of my bigness in your life. Live there. And this week, I was like, I want to live there. Like I'm like, how do I get to Bethel? Um, which, gratefully, like, um, we don't have to get on an airplane. We actually don't even have to leave this room um, to be at Bethel, truly. Um, so what ends up happening, as crystal clear as God could be, go to Bethel, man. I'm the God of Bethel, go to Bethel. I'll meet you there. Actually, I'll take you there. Um, a lot of things happened where Jacob and his family go there, and they they miss it by 30 miles. He goes to Shechem, which is 30 miles short of Bethel, And he buys land in Shechem. He starts building some buildings in Shechem and starts uh, taking care of his vast livestock and employees and all that stuff. And um, it was so clear that he was supposed to go to Bethel, and he goes to Shechem. What's going to happen? We'll we'll start it next week. But what start? What happened? The very verse after we're in chapter thirty-four. The very next verse. Is chapter 35, verse 1. It says, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. I think he said, Get up, go to Bethel, live there. Because based on this, based on what happened before and based on what's happening in chapter 34 is Jacob shouldn't be in Shechem. He's 30 miles short of where he should go. So everything that happens in Genesis chapter 34 shouldn't have happened. It's heart-wrenching, it's gut-wrenching. It's in one sense like the worst passage to preach on a child dedication Sunday that's supposed to be all warm and fuzzy and pastel colors and stuff. It, but it's real life for real people that are wanting to really lead a family um, in the darkness towards the light with the light. And so it's safe to say that everything that happens in Genesis 34 shouldn't have happened. It's safe to say that Jacob is not where he's supposed to be. And unfortunately, what it means is his family is not where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be in Bethel and not in Shechem. So, verse 1 of chapter 34. Now, Dinah, so Dinah is the only daughter that we know of by name of Jacob. We know at this time, we know he'll have 12 sons. The youngest, Benjamin, isn't born yet. Um, so, he has 11 sons. And Dinah, verse 1 now, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, so this is the prince, this is his name, which the location is is named after him. When Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her, which is gross. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this girl for my wife. So Dinah is seized. Scripture says she is forcibly taking, taken and humiliatingly raped. But then it says that Shechem speaks tenderly to Dinah. So messed up. Like, he doesn't have the right to do that. He doesn't have the right to speak to her that way after what he's just done. And um, his violence, and now it seems like he's trying to cover. So Shechem speaks to his dad, though, who is the king of the Hivites. And he says, get me this girl for my wife. And one thing that just struck me this week as I was in this is like, I don't know if he knows her name. Get me that girl for my wife. I mean, so it's very possible that that Shechem doesn't even know her name and is now want, you know in love with her and wants to to uh, for her to be his wife. And um, this is sinful. It is dark, and it sh- shouldn't have happened. And it should not have happened. And it should not be. And you know, one of the things just. Stepping out of the story a little bit into our story is, like, my heart and desire, and I know our heart and desire, is that this church is a place where we actually walk with each other, um, no matter our past, where even the darkest moments of our lives can find more healing than we thought was possible, as darkness meets light. And this is a very dark day for Dinah. Verse 5. Now Jacob, her dad, heard that he had, that Shechem, had defiled his daughter Dinah. But his sons were with his livestock out in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Verse 6. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob. So Shechem is too cowardly to actually go to Jacob. He has his dad go to Jacob to speak with him. Verse seven, the sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it and the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter for such a thing must not be done. Uh, So Jacob, look at that, Jacob, verse five, Jacob held his peace. The, the Hebrew phrase that this was originally written in, it, it carries the, the nuance of like he kept quiet. So Jacob does not rise up in this chapter like he should. Jacob is not in the city he's supposed to be in, and he is not now in his family in a way that he should be in his family and his sons hear what has happened, and they don't hold their peace. His, th- his sons, Dinah's brothers, half-brothers, full-brothers, hear what's happened, and, and his two sons, and, and interestingly, I think like, if you're familiar with this passage, you might think, oh, these are two sons, Simeon and Levi, right here, who are very angry, indignant and very angry. But the text actually allows for it being all the sons are there. Simeon and Levi are gonna do something coming up, but potentially all of the sons are there um, and the dad is acting differently than the sons are acting. Because of what happens in um, in this righteous fury that they are feeling for Dinah, we, we, we don't actually ever hear Dinah's words here. We don't hear from her. Um, I've spoken with some people in our congregation this week that have experienced uh, traumatic abuse and, um, you know, getting like, you know, just hearing, uh, you, you know, what, what this would have been like and knowing that your dad is, is not at the front um, protecting you or seeking justice. Verse 8. Hamor spoke with them. So you think, okay, this is Jacob. Hopefully, this is Jacob and the sons. Hamor spoke with them saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. He maybe doesn't know her name either. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. Take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us, and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it, and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father um, and, and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Verse 12, ask me for, a great, for as great a, bri- a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give you whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. They're seeking to make a deal. Verse 13, the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take our daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will... Take our daughter and we will be gone. So Shechem says he'll give anything for Dinah. it's, It's notable in verses 13 here, don't miss it, that Jacob's sons are the only ones doing the negotiation. See how verse 13 says, the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor. So the king and the prince of the Hivites is negotiating over what should happen, and Jacob isn't even a part of the conversation. Uh, Jacob, it, it proves that Jacob is absent here, that he's not even a part of this conversation about what, would hap- what should happen to atone for this, for what has happened to Dinah. So the sons of Jacob are not silent They're doing the negotiating, and in this case, what they're also doing is acting in the way that their dad is known to act. They're being deceitful. They're following their father's footsteps in in being deceitful in how they're interacting with these men, saying that all these men must be circumcised, and if they do, we're going to just combine our groups and just become one people. Which remembered what the promise and what God's will and calling was was no, you're gonna be a distinct people. So they're even like on the, the verge of like saying things that are just like almost blasphemous, really, about what God has, with his presence and his calling has said to them, but they're being deceitful. Then verse 18: their words please Tamor. And Hamor's son Shechem, I just see this like meeting where they're behind closed doors and they're just like giving each other a hug and being like, "Man, we, wow, this is this is going to be good." Verse nineteen, and the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So compared to the Hivites, he was seen Shechem was seen as being the most honorable. Of the Hivites. Verse 20. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city, which is kind of like the, the gathering place. It, for us, it would be like the the city center, but it was the gate here. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Verse 22, only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us, to become one people, when every male among us is circumcised and they are circumcised, as as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, these verses are not meant to be missed, will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? only let us agree with them and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. So what's happening, especially in verse 23, is Hamor and Shechem are doing their own deceiving. You have two groups trying to deceive each other because it's quickly moved from Shechem wants to marry this girl, to now, hey, let's become one people. Do you see all the stuff they have? And we're going to get rich. This is going to be amazing for us. Let's agree to this for us. Wicked, dark, evil, Dinah, no one cares about her anymore. Hamor and Shechem are leading all the guys of the Hivite empire to agree to this deal. And they're they're under this impression it's going to be amazing. And um, it's not what God's calling anyone to do. It's not God's mission. It's not what God instructed Jacob to do or where to be. Verse 25. On the third day when they were sore... Two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure, and they killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword. They took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Um, there's, it, is it good for Simeon and Levi to rescue their sister? Absolutely. Is it good for them to desire wrongs to be righted? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Simeon and Levi, though, don't seek justice for their sister. They seek vengeance. They are are consumed with vengeance, and they kill the possibility of anyone ever hurting their sister again. They kill the possibility of wrong to happen again. In, in the way that vengeance makes it seem like it could be possible to do that, to say, like, we're just gonna destroy every man here. And um, it, it's right for them to desire justice, and what they did was wrong. It was wrong for them to do that. Jacob reengages now. Jacob reengages, and he speaks in verse 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Parasites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And that's the end. That's where it stops. And the next time we hear from God is he says, you, Jacob, go to Bethel, live there. So I'm not a big fan of Jacob here. Um, Jacob is, because even if you read carefully, Jacob is upset about what it means for him. you have any idea what this means for me? Um, I'm grateful that God intervenes. I'm glad that God wants them to live in the land of the big God to live at a place where God is big in their lives, for them to stay there, for them to live there. Um, you know, Jacob is 30 miles from where he's supposed to be. Um, feels like he's a 1,000 miles from where he's supposed to be. And um, man, an interesting thing about Scripture is I feel like we could just break right now and just talk for like an hour about this and see more things, and that's, that's what we do midweek. You're welcome to jump into a community group, which is just us doing life together, eating great meals together. It's usually the top meal of my week. I feel like I love getting together and having great food and then talking about really great things, important things, praying about them, seeing how it applies to me. Um, You know, I I feel like our child dedications this morning, our parents saying, I want to be in the right place. I don't want to be 30 miles from where God wants me to be. I don't want to have a small God and be far from him. I want to have a big God and be where he's calling me to be. If if you're in the scariest place of your life and you're where God wants you to be and his presence is there, you're you're okay. You're okay there. When you're not where he wants you to be and you feel like you're a thousand miles from him, um, that's a scary place to be. I've been there too, and that's a scary place to be. Um, I feel like the the parents that are standing up here dedicating their kids are saying, I I dedicate myself to being where God wants me to be, on mission with him. Um, We have baptisms that are coming up just in minutes, and our baptisms that are coming up, I feel like are people who are saying, "I, I wanna be where God wants me to be, Uh, Where he's calling me to be, that's where I want to be. With my life, with my friends, with my family, we want to be there at the intersection of his calling, his word, where his word, his presence, and his mission intersect, that's where I want to live. And the people being baptized are like, me too. (laughs) I want to live there and I want to invite you to live there with me too. And what is amazing is that where that intersection is is actually a person. That is Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can spend a lot of time arguing and talking and and strategizing about a, a direction for our life. Like, what is the way for me? It's like, you need to meet him. Gosh, I mean, would you love just if, like, for 24 hours everything that was said was true? I would, that would feel different. Um, if the things that you say about yourself are true, if, this, if, if you know the things God says about you are true, if, if truth was, was clear, and you can walk with Him, it's a person. And then, man, I don't. I've never met anybody that's like, man. I just like a, a a bad, sad life. You know, I I just like to, to you know. People are like, I I want life. I I want to feel alive. I I, I want to uh, I want life and not death. And it's like, yeah, you can meet him. the The destination is a person. And. um So the baptisms that are are happening today are people that are saying, I've met him. Not because I'm awesome, but because he has found me, he has pursued me, and I've said yes, and I want to keep saying yes. And I'm I'm publicly saying yes so that you guys can help me say yes for a lifetime. So wherever you find yourself, if you walked in and you're like, well, if people knew the truth, my life has been more like Shechem's life. Or my life's been more like Jacob's life. It's mind-blowing, it seems wrong. Jesus frequently introduces himself to people as the God of Jacob. It's like, really? You're gonna, like, own that? He's like, yeah, I mean, I work with people like that. And um, I change people like that. And, um, and, and maybe you're, you've experienced life more like Dinah. And... Um, There's fascinating details with the um, other women in history that he starts interacting with. The woman at the well is uh, close to where all this happened. And Jesus seeks seeks out a lady that I think has experienced life a lot like Dinah um, and uh, says amazing, beautiful things to her. He knows her, and he says, come on home. So God, we want to commune with you this morning. Um, We want to find ourselves at the intersection of your promises, your presence, your mission. God, thank you for the souls that are being baptized today, and I just pray that um, that would both be significant in their lives, it would be a sweet aroma to you, and it would change all of us, affect all of us. Maybe we're here to see a a little kid be baptized and... um, And their faith will inspire our faith this morning. Change us to have childlike faith. Um, Lord, we want to commune with you. And maybe if someone's here and they're like, actually, I don't want to commune with him, I hate him if he exists. God, I believe that every person is in here for a reason. And if that is true of a person, or maybe they want to want you, but they just don't feel that right now, um, God, in this moment, I just would maybe in your kindness, you share with them in a way that only you could, that you know them, you know their ways, and you invite them to yourself to find freedom and life. We look to you together, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.